Welcome to Sailing God's People with your host, Dennis Beard. How important is it for the body of Christ to come together? And I'm not talking about the local church body. The body of Christ uh, that is not in four walls. The body of the Christ, the body which is of Christ, bone of his bone, and flesh of his flesh. I'm talking about the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. That have their conversation in heavenly places, made to sit together in Christ Jesus at his right hand. They will speak the same thing. There will be no division in that body. When it comes unto perfection, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, then and only then will we grow up into him in all things. Because it's whichever joint supply to the effectual working in every part and edifying of itself in love. Those bones have to come together as long as there are divisions. And one says, I'm a Paul. Another one says, I'm a Cephas. Another one says, I'm of Apollos. And there is Christ divided. Paul goes on and talks about that we must be of one mind and one accord. Listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians the first chapter, verse 10. Now beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. The things are things of faith, so the same thing would be the present truth of faith. The present proceeding word of God, walking in the light as he is in the light, having fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus cleanseth us from all sin. Somebody said, well, the body of Christ will never agree on all things. That's a lie. The body of Christ that goes unto perfection, there will follow the leading of the Holy Ghost. And we know how God set the body together. He set first in the body, apostle. Secondarily, prophets. Thirdly, Teachers, now, workers of miracles, governments, helps, etc. But the, the literal threshold going into that door, the truth, the spearhead, in other words, the going down and bringing in the body of Christ, that proceeding word of God is as it has always been through two offices. Apostles and prophets. You see that in Ephesians 3. Paul stated himself that this mystery of Christ that has been hidden from uh, different ages as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets. There's your spearhead. But the whole body of Christ agrees. It's not a bishop or an apostle or a prophet or a presbyter, or a deacon that leads the body of Christ. It's the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is not divided. That body is one. He goes on and he says uh, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment, knowing the will of God. Now, all God's ways are perfect. All God's ways are judgment. 
And we see in Jeremiah 8, the stork observes the time of her coming. The crane and swallow observe the time of their coming, but my people know not the judgment of the Lord. Judgments in present truth. That is why Issachar, that tribe in the Old Testament, had the understanding of the times. We're to walk in the light as Jesus is in the light. That does not mean that we all have the same calling. We see that again in the diversification in the body of Christ, diverse ministrations or ministries in the body of Christ. As we take a look at it in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul again said that there are differences of administrations, different ministries, but the same Lord, the same Holy Ghost. Jesus is not divided. And he goes on and says, There are diversities of operations, but it's the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all, every individual member in the body of Christ, to edify the other members in the body of Christ, but speaking the same thing in one mind and one accord. And that is to every, that everyone will have a different ministration, but all for the edification of the body of Christ in one truth, in the judgment, in the present truth, in the proceeding word of God, by which every man shall live thereby. There's not various denominations and heresies and divisions. The true body of Christ is in one mind and one accord, and knowing the present truth that is essential. And until the body of Christ comes together in the unity of the faith into the knowledge of the Son of God, then the work of the ministry will never take place. It's not through a local assembly. It's through the body of Christ speaking the same things in the unity of the faith. And that's not just in the United States. It's globally, internationally. The body of Christ is not confined to one nation. The whole body of Christ, the Holy Ghost in the African nations, India, Pakistan, China, regardless of where the body of Christ is, the Holy Ghost is not Dividing that body. There's one truth. There's one way. There's one life. And we either in the present truth or we're backsliding. The present truth is that God is now sealing his people, the servants of God, in their forehead by his word. That after we have received the word of God, that we are sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise until we receive the promised possession. That is not just a one-time sealing. It's progressive. The path of the just is as a shining light that shines more and more unto the perfect day. There's no division, but there's different ministration, but all to the one purpose of lifting up Jesus according to the measure of every part. 
whichever joint supplies, bone to bone, coming together in one mind, one accord, in the unity of the faith, the edifying of itself in love. We find that Paul goes on and talks about the various gifts in the body of Christ, but edifying the body of Christ, each member preferring their brother above themselves. That's true Christianity. Bearing bearing one another's burdens and so fulfilling the law of Christ. Not of vainglory. Not of somebody being the big preacher. Because he that is greatest in the kingdom of God is the servant of all. So that means, firstly, apostles will be the greatest servants. They will be the ones that to whom much is given, much is required. Paul stated, we are troubled on every side, but not in distress. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're cast down, but not destroyed. Now, talking about the body, we which live are always delivered unto death. That's the cross. Mortifying the deeds of the flesh, those that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust. You cannot serve this worldly affections in mammon, money, and the things of this world, and please God. It is impossible. Jesus stated you cannot serve God in mammon. Either to hold the one hate the other, or love the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in mammon. What we have seen in most of the denominal church world is they quote 3 John 2, God wishes above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers, thinking that the prosperity is money. Your soul prospers. It's in the things and affections of the things above, not beneath, not money. We find, we find that in the church at Smyrna. They were poverty. And though they were poor, yet the Lord Jesus said, you are rich. Well, somebody need to get them a memo that they're supposed to have a lot of money in the bank. Now I'm speaking facetiously and sarcastically. Those in uh, Hebrews 11, of whom the world was not worthy, they dwelt in caves, not in mansions on the hilltop. They went about in sheep's clothing, goat clothing. They were not in Amani suits. And have diamond bazel Rolex watches driving around in uh, Rolls Royce cars with planes, international uh, jet planes. That's a bunch of hoopla. That's not Christianity. That's man made doctrine, prosperity gospel. And what they've done is duped the body of Christ and saying, such as Luke 6 38. Give, and it'll be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Shall men give into your bosom? He will cause men to give into your bosom? Yes. So in kind, reap in kind. We think that's money. You want mercy? Show yourself merciful. And there, there, if you have not forgiven men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father, Jesus, forgive you. But he that is forward. Perverse, 
God will show himself perverse. So we're to grow up in him in all things. That's not money. Many have erred in error, thinking that gain is godliness from such turn away. And all that will be rich fall into diverse diverse temptations and many hurtful lusts. Paul warns of that. Even if riches increase, don't set your heart upon them. Now, true, you can use mammon and make to yourselves friends of mammon, of unrighteousness, that in the days that you fail, they'll receive you into everlasting habitations. That is you, the body of Christ, growing up into Jesus in all things, proving yourself worthy that you know how to handle money, mammon, and use it for God. Not that it takes you for your rich toward self and not rich toward God, which will cost you your soul. The grounds of a rich man brought forth plentifully. Jesus is giving us a practical lesson that where we know what the true riches are to be. And he said, this ground of a rich man brought forth plentifully. And he said, what shall I do? I don't have enough place to bestow all my goods. I'll pull down my barns and I will build greater. I will increase my business. Then I will say to my soul, eat, drink, and be merry, for thou hast much goods stored up for many years. Well, the world would be applauding that, thinking that a man's life consists of the things which he possesses. That's the worldly way. The world says he that has the goal makes the rule. That's their golden rule. Look out for number one, because if you don't, no one else will. That is the decree of the world, to be worldly-minded. And that is death. A Christian that has the Holy Ghost that puts their affections on money is a carnal-minded Christian, which is still and will bring forth death, not life. They will not see eternal life. We see that when Jesus talked about that rich man. His grounds did brought forth plentifully. He was blessed, but he did not use it with the affections on the things above, but on the things beneath. And what he did, he went after the money. And just as Laodicea in Revelation 3 says that I'm increased with goods. I'm clothed, fed, and I have need of nothing. I'm blessed of God. I know I've got heaven made. Yet Jesus said, Knowest thou not your poor, wretched, naked, and destitute? Talking about a mistaken identity. Well, they've been duped. They believed this prosperity gospel. Jesus said, I counsel of you to buy me gold tried in the fire. Your faith has to be tried as by fire. So think it not strange, these many diverse temptations that you enter into. Not, though not think it strange, the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's suffering. And the glory of God resteth upon your head. 
Now, that's foreign to the prosperity church preachers because they don't believe that you have to crucify the flesh with the affections and the lust. Just come as you are and build up yourselves in money, not in faith in the Holy Ghost, in money. And God will give you more. He'll make you the head of the tail. You'll own the bank instead of just putting your money in it. You'll own the plane rather than just buying a ticket to ride on one. That's their philosophy. That's their ideology. That's their apologetic. That is a lie. And those that are carnally minded, even though they had the Holy Ghost, didn't set their affections on the things above, but on the things beneath, will find what that rich, that rich young ruler found out the same way that the grounds of that rich man brought forth plentifully, all had the things in common, Lazarus and the rich man, that they thought money was basically of God, that God, if you follow him, is going to bless you with finances of money, mammon, things of this world. And that's just not so. But go back to the man who that grounds brought forth plentifully, he pulled down his barns. He built greater. He said to his soul, eat, drink, and be merry. Thou hast much good stored up for many years. But then that night, watch, watch that night. Or work while it's day, the night cometh in which no man can work. The night of gross darkness upon the people. And that night, a voice came from heaven to that man that had pulled down his barns and built greater, said, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. It's a time of judgment. Have you pleased God or not? Are you in the faith or not? Are you in the preceding word of God? Are you in the present truth or not? Are you still dragging behind your heels in Pentecost, thinking that's all there is? Or are you a tabernaculist? Have you gone on? Have you pressed toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus? Are you pleasing to the Lord? Have you worked out your own salvation with fear and trembling? Doing the will of God. The word of God being strong in you. And overcoming the wicked one. You prove what is that good and perfect will of God for you is by not being conformed to the world, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind. You did not be deceived simply by prosperity gospel. You didn't believe that lie. You used your finances and provided yourself treasures in the heavens where moth and dress do not corrupt and thieves do not break through and steal for where your heart is, there your treasure is, there's your heart also. <laughs> where your treasure is. Notice what he said to that ground of the rich man who brought forth plentifully. This night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who, so, who shall those things be then? So is he that is rich toward self and not rich toward God. Somebody said, well, I give a tithe. Well, that means 90% to you, 10% to God. That's not the New Testament way. Well, they said, well, being you scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, 
for you pay tithe of Mintman and us and coming and have omitted the weightier, weightier, weightier matters of the law. That's what the denominational church world does today. They pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, given a tenth of it, but have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These you ought to have done and not to leave the other undone. In other words, use what God gives you for your affections on the things above, not on the things beneath, and sending forth the feet of them that preach this glorious gospel. And you will be a wise man and have treasure in heaven. He that went his souls is wise. Same thing with a rich young ruler. He had great wealth. Rich man in Lazarus. The rich man had great wealth. Did the Lord say, well, you were blessed on earth. Come on into heaven and, and you'll have blessings there. Equivalent to what you had on the earth. No. He said Lazarus, while he was in the earth, had uh, these terrible things happen to him. The dogs even came to lick the sores off of him, begging to eat the crumbs off a rich man's table. In the world, he was afflicted. Now, the rich man is afflicted and Lazarus is comforted. Do you understand what it means uh, when Jesus said the first will be last and the last will be first? A reversal of what it was in the earth. If you suffered with him, you'll reign with him. But if you sit back in a prosperity gospel, thinking that's the truth, then you're going to be in for a rude awakening as Laodicea, if they do not understand, then repent. How do we do that? Well, just as Jesus said, Jesus said to the church of Laodicea. Now you're you're stating, Laodicea, that you are increased with goods. You've been blessed. You are clothed, fed, and you have need of nothing. You're blessed as far as the world is concerned. You have bought the idea that a man's life does consist of the things which he possesses. You've bought that. And you have patted yourself on the back as the rich young ruler that you have heaven made. Whenever Jesus told the church at Laodicea, you're poor, wretched, naked, destitute. What's the remedy? I counsel of you to buy me gold. That's the glory of God. Try it in the fire, the fiery trial, which is to try you. You're not only called to believe on Jesus, but also to suffer for his name's sake. Now, that's a novel idea. Very seldom is preached. For those that are Christ that crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust. You want to be used of God? Crucify the flesh. Mortify the deeds of the flesh so that you will be a vessel unto honor and meet for the master's use. There's no other way. And you do that to find the will of God through the word. To do that, the first thing you have to do is put aside your will and what you want for your life and do the will of God. Not your own purpose that you think for your life, but the purpose and will of God. There's only one way to do it. Paul stated that very simply in Philippians 2. 
in the Philippians 2, as he stated. He said there, uh, to have the mind of Christ, you have to have that mind that all other members in the body of Christ have, the mind of Christ. And he states there that in verse chapter 2 of Philippians, verse 3, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. You want that glory for yourself. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. So bear you one another's burdens. So fulfill the law of Christ. Show your love and provoke unto good works. You'll be rewarded. Look not everyone on his own things. That is the material things. But every man also on the things of others. Be willing to communicate. You say your brother need half this worldly uh, possessions. Then you shut up your bowels of compassion after seeing your brother have need and you have the worldly goods, you have the, the means to help and you shut up your bowels of compassion. How dwelleth the love of God in you? And without the love of God, none of us are going to make it. And he states there, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And he talked about how Jesus being God, the father of glory, in all things from the aloft to the top, all the attributes of God, thinking about robbery to be equal with God in all attributes, made himself of no reputation. Humble himself. What? For the body of Christ. To redeem us that were under the law. Somebody said, well, that's Christ. That has nothing to do with us. My pastor said, where'd you get money? Well, take a look at 1 John 3.16. Hereby perceiving the love of God because he, God himself, laid down his life for us. Don't stop there. Therefore, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Oh, bearing ye one another's burdens and so fulfilling the law of Christ? Yes. Preferring your brother by yourself. That the grace may abound to each one of us, one toward another. Second Thessalonians 1. Then the charity will abound from one toward another. And our faith grows exceedingly. And that's only as the body of Christ comes together. Friend, neighbor, brother and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to hear from you. Now, we are nothing but servants of the Lord Jesus Christ, but however it is, in uh, Transamerica, Kenya, on the 19th of January, 2019, the Lord visited me. Not because of any of my righteousness or any of my holiness, but for his name's sake. Said, even as I send my angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God, so send I you. That war and flabbergasted me and war so heavy and a burden that the Lord said, seal my people by my word. There's only one way, and that's for each of us to walk in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. 
bringing up that which is lacking uh, in the body of Christ under perfection. We have to do it for one another. No man's going to do it on his own. It is a body movement, and God has fitly framed that body together with diverse manifestations of the Spirit, different ministrations, ministries, as it has pleased him. And we find that of whom the whole body is fitly framed together by whichever joint supplies according to the effectual working in the measure of every part. What measure? The measure of faith in every part that God has dealt to each member in the body of Christ, the measure of faith. And it is critical that the body of Christ comes together. The eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you. The hand can't say to the feet, we have no need of each other. God has placed the more abundant honor on the less comely parts. There'd be no chism or division in the body. This he says, that we are not to walk as the Gentiles or as the world does. Not taking a worldly view of affections and not conform to this world and the worldly thinking. The mind of Christ is altogether different. It doesn't seek after the things of the world. It seeks after the things of faith and charity, rejoices in the truth and charity is not love, but the love of God based in doing his will. That's charity. Not loving in word and tongue, but in deed and in truth. So we see there in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul breaks it down for each of us of how important and of a necessity it is for the body of Christ to come together in the unity of the faith, speaking the same things, and lifting up Jesus only. It says that we have the gifts, the nine gifts of the Spirit that the Lord Jesus has put in there as it has pleased him. And we know that there is the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge. To another faith, to another the gifts of healings, but it's the same Spirit. Another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, and to another diversities of tongues and interpretation of tongues, nine spiritual gifts. But watch what he said. But all these works, that one and the self-same Spirit, Jesus only, the only true God in eternal life, the Lord Jesus, who is that Spirit, that it will, for that one Spirit of God, which we are all in one and of one, to be of one man and one accord, in the one faith, in one baptism, one God who is above all, Father of us all, and in us all, dividing to every man severally as he will, not as what we want, what he wills, what he wants, the purpose of God being done. The body has to move together. For as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, 
so also is Christ. Christ is not divided. Some will say, well, now, Brother Beard, you know that when we get into the depth of the word, there's going to be different ideas of what true faith is, and we're going to disagree on some matters. That is a lie. The body of Christ in the last days will come into the unity of the faith and walking everyone straightforward in one mind and one accord. As it was in the former reign, it will be far greater in the latter reign, the last great reign of his strength, which we are now being prepared to enter into. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether he be Jew or Gentile, whether he be free or bond, have all been made to drink into one spirit. It's not divided. For the body is not one member, but many, many members, one body, many members. If the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body. Or is it therefore not of the body? Or if the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, that I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? There's different gifts, different ministrations, but one spirit lifting up Jesus, the edifying of the body of Christ in love, which works by faith, works by love. All things of God work by love. If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where were the smelling? But now God has set the members, every one of them in the body, as it has pleased him. And if they were all one member, and all were one member, where's the body? But now are there many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of you. Now again, the hand to the feet, I have no need of you. No. Nay, much more, those members are of the body, which seem to be more feeble or necessary. Try to walk with that feet. And these, those members of the body, which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need. But God hath tempered the body together, and he has moved on it through the Holy Ghost the way he wants it. Having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no chism or division in the body but that the members should have the same care one for another. That is faith one to another. Charity abounding one toward another. Fulfilling the law of Christ. The body coming together for the greatest move of God this world will ever see that Jesus said greater their works than these shall you do because I go to my Father. It's the last great running of strength to reveal, be revealed in and through the body of Christ. We need to come together. And I'm not talking about a local church body. I'm not talking about the four walls of the church. I am talking about the body of the Christ in one mind, one accord. 
And that is what God is doing now. We need to hear from you. God has placed it in our heart. There to bring this word to all. As we are shoe shine boys. Pop the rag, shine your shoes. Servants to the body of Christ. Not for any of our covenants, any of our righteousness, or any of these things that God did it, but for his namesake. We want to be obedient, but we need to hear from you. God is doing it now. If you feel the leading of the Holy Ghost, please call me. I look forward to hearing from you. My country code is one plus nine zero three seven four six four eight eight five. The body of Christ must come together. Otherwise, the Lord has stated, I'm going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, children to the fathers. Lest, if we do not do this, I come and smite the earth with a curse. If God has extended grace to us and through his abundant move and effectual working of the Holy Ghost, and we do not listen or hear the voice of God in obedience under righteousness, then we are backsliding and being a backslidden body of Christ, the Lord then will count us as disobedient children, unthankful, unholy. We must obey the call of God. So I implore you, exhort you, please call. We need to hear from you, the body of Christ coming together. There, one God, one Lord, the Father of us all, in us all. The Son of God has come and give us an understanding of him that is true. We are in him that is true, even in his Son. This is the only true God in eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. There is a great harvest, not just, not just planting the seed and plant seed and breaking up the ground forever. There is a harvest coming. God is placing now that present truth in our hearts in the proceeding word of God that we must obey and come together. It's the final last day work of the ministry. And if the Lord is dealing with you, please call again. Let's come together. I look forward to working with you in the work of the ministry, the body of Christ edifying itself in love through this ministration of the Lord Jesus Christ for his honor, for his glory alone, not for any vain glory or for anyone to be lifted up, only the Lord Jesus Christ. And the doors are open. The doors are open to us in Africa, India, Pakistan, Nepal, Australia, New Zealand. Never seen a more of time that we've had people that are saying we want this word than now. Every day there's hundreds of phone calls. We must, as the body of Christ, come together. More of our downloads are in America, 75% in America, an astounding number in China. Thank God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Africa, India, Nepal, Australia, 
from all over the world, but the abundance of it, of the ones downloading and hearing the word, are in America, the United States of America. Those, you are the ones that God is calling for this body of Christ. The ones over there, overseas, are already there begging for it. We need to go. We need to come together. Again, call me. Let's get together. And all that the Lord has shown us, we will shun not declare to you all the counsel of God. We are all working together for his honor, for his glory. And there'll be a great harvest of souls before the second advent of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's preparing us for it now. Again, call me. Leave a message. I'll get right back to you. Country code, plus one, 903-746-4885. Somebody said, you feel the urgency, Brother Beard? More than ever. And almost 50 years in ministry. I have never felt this burden like this before. The Lord is doing it for his great namesake. And he's moving on all of us to fitly frame this body of Christ together. And he will compact it according to the measure of every part to the edifying of itself in love through the every joint, bone to bone. And as we do, the Lord will be pleased and lift it up for his great name's sake, for his honor, for his glory, for his dignity, for his kingdom. And he's doing it now. You can also write to me, Dennis Beard, Post Office Box 2906, Longview, Texas, zip code 75606. You can message me on the websites, dennisbeard.org, sealinggodspeople.org, sealinggodspeople.com. If you will, we have our own private website where we can fellowship one another at www.jcic.tv. Register there. You'll get a username and password. And then it will allow you, with our ministry, all of us working together, you can leave your comments and or ask questions. It gives us some fellowship time together over the website. Well, we look forward to hearing from you. God, we perfect that which is lacking in each one of us, that we all may be presented by the the coming of the Lord, both spirit, soul, and body. Let's come together until the body of Christ comes together, and I'm talking about in one mind and one accord, globally, internationally, in the body of Christ. Then the will of God will not be done. But the work of the ministry is at hand. God's looking to us and you, the members of the body of Christ, to do it. We answer the call. He stands at the door and knocks. And if any man will hear my voice, open the door. I'll come and step with him and he with me. God's doing it now. I look forward to hearing from you. Till the next time, this is Brother Dennis Spirit saying, Behold the real Jesus.